Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me, if you will, to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Amen. What an just exciting season it is and we just, you know, we want to get started out on the right foot and, and continue to move in all that God has for us. And John chapter 7 and, and chapter 8, you know, if I gave you homework, it would be to go back and read those two chapters kind of leading up to where we're at in John chapter 9. But, you know, Jesus came to this planet. You know, a lot of people would think Jesus came to bring comfort. And to a degree, that's true, but there's a difference between being comforted and comfortable. I said there's a difference between being comforted and being comfortable. And when you really look at the life of Jesus, Jesus came as Savior, Jesus came as Lord, Jesus came as the Son of God, as the Messiah, uh, the Christ. Uh, uh, he, he came sent by God uh, to deliver the world, not just from sins, um, but to restore a kingdom, bring a kingdom back. And when you really look at his life uh, in the three years that we really have chronicled uh, of his ministry, um, you, you don't really see a lot of comforting scenarios, um, but you see uh, that he put people in uncomfortable situations. And even words that he said, uh, did more driving away than drawing in. And, uh, you know, there's a time where Jesus's messages were being ministered and people were flocking to his ministry and following everywhere and signs and wonders were following the preaching of the word. Those things were happening. But there was always a group out there that was resistant, hesitant to receive what Jesus was preaching and what Jesus was saying. And that's the group that we want to identify, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious teachers of the law. We're, they would fall into the category of comfortable. They would fall into the category of valuing their comfort and not much different than our culture today. We value comfort, man. We, you know, comfort is a high commodity in our day and age. And, um, you know, we have more and more that we can surround ourselves with and give ourselves to that allow us to live comfortable lives. Uh, we've got heated seats and we've got uh, things that are programmed to remember us. So when we come back, we don't have to do a bunch of retooling. I can get in my wife's car, hit one button, and it put my seat back to where it was because she has to scrunch it all the way up and, and, and put the little thing that presses on your back back where I like it and the mirrors move and all at the touch of a button. Isn't that wonderful? And, uh, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine. They, uh, he was telling me how the Lord blessed them with a mattress. Someone just gave them a mattress. Uh, which obviously when you think mattress, you think comfort, you know, that's why you buy the thing, so I can sleep comfortably. Uh, and so, um, you know, bought this mattress, and he told me the price tag on it was $10,000 for a mattress. And hey, that, that, that might be normal. Some of you might be in this room saying, I'd pay it any day, sure. Uh, and maybe you have, and that's awesome. I, I, I don't know that I could spend that much money on my comfort because you know, the, the $350 Sam's Club memory foam thing that I have works just fine. Uh, but, but I'm one of those sleepers, man. 
If my eyes are closed, I'm sleeping. You know? <laughs> my wife, she'll hear every noise. I, you got to wake me up to wake me up. So, uh, but, you know, we, we go, we, we do a lot. We pay a high price for our comfort, and it may not be a high price in cash or, or in a dollar sign, but, you know, we might pay a high price, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in whatever else we do in our lives to maintain a level of comfort. And almost uh, it's become a pursuit of people to be comfortable. And it's amazing the things that will compromise for comfort. And so the Pharisees were a group that they were compromising for comfort. Because com- comfort, you, you, you have to pay a price on one side or the other. I'm reminded of the rich young ruler. You know, he paid a price. And he may not pay the price that Jesus was asking, but if you don't pay the price that Jesus is asking, you'll pay the price that he's not. And so you're going you're gonna to risk something somewhere. You're never going to obtain this life and this level of comfort. And so in John 7 and, and John 8, Jesus really starts hammering away at these guys. And he really starts bring, you know, making them feel uncomfortable. And, and he, he starts having these conversations uh, uh, with them. Uh, you know, identifying obviously that he's the son of God. Their biggest struggle was they didn't believe he was divine. Uh, they didn't believe that someone from Galilee, so that's what comfort will do. Comfort will always take you to your past. Comfort will always take you to how it's been. Comfort will always take you to what it's been like. And that's why you don't grow. And that's why we don't move forward. And that's why we don't engage in the things that God has for us because it's different. You know, we saw that with Naaman. Uh, on, on Sunday, talking about Naaman, and, and, and we said that the instruction from Elisha wasn't hard. It wasn't difficult. Go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River. You'll be made perfectly whole, perfectly clean. It wasn't a hard instruction. It was just a different instruction, different than my expectation. And comfort always has levels of expectation attached to it. Comfort always has my idea, and comfort always has my way of doing things, and comfort always, it's comfortable because it's convenient, and it's familiar, and I, 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 I can predict it. I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to take place. Those all breed comfort. So in John 9, when we pick up, uh, it, there's actually a, an amazing miracle that takes place here. John chapter 9 and verse 1 now is, uh, actually, I want to read this out of the New Living for you, and you'll have it on the New Living on the screen behind me, and you can put it on the New Living on your screen in front of you because you have a comfortable device probably that can go to any translation that I am going to. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. He was blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins. And it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. But this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. Now, just stopping right there, I think it's interesting that the disciples are asking about the man's past, but Jesus is speaking to the man's future. I just think it's interesting uh, you know, that, that many times we're addressing our problems from the wrong side. We want to know how we got here, and God is trying to get us beyond that. 
I think it was Chase that minister. I, I listened to everybody's messages while I was away uh, the past couple of days, and so they might kind of run together. I think it was Chase, Chase talking about cycles and seasons, and he said that a cycle is looking at today in light of yesterday, and a season is looking at today in light of tomorrow. And so Jesus is looking at this situation. It's a problem. It's a dilemma. It's a challenge. Yes, but I can choose to look at it based upon my past and how I got here or what God is going to do with this and where he's going to take me. And this year, 2019, we can't play the how did I get here game and grow. 2018's over. It's done. I don't care how bad. I don't care how good. But Paul said, I'm pressing on toward the mark. And I'm forgetting those things that lie behind. And he didn't categorize, I'm forgetting the bad things that lie behind. He said, I'm forgetting those things that lie behind. I'm pressing on. I got somewhere to go. And my victories can hold me back just as much as my failures. I've seen people stay buried in victory, stay buried in past successes. And God's got so much more he wants to do in their life. But the the feeling of arrival and the feeling of achievement and the feeling of accomplishment is is, is keeping them stuck when God's got so much more he wants to do. And so Jesus says, you know what, forget that conversation. This happened because God wants to reveal himself and glorify himself in this scenario. And leaves it at that. And then he moves on to the next thing. And on top of that, I've got to carry out the task assigned to me by the one who sent me. He says the task assigned to us By the one who sent us, the night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Imagine, uh, you know, just just look at Jesus' perspective of the matter. Uh, Of of the the question was, how did the, nope, they're not even thinking, Jesus, you're going to heal the guy, or hey, let's, this guy, this is prime candidate for a miracle, none of that. Their question is, how did he end up like this? And his answer is, this man's got a future. God's going to glorify himself, and we got work to do. I mean, what if we had that kind of, uh, of answer and response to any challenge that, that came our way this year? What would, what would our year look like if we said, you know what, I got work to do. I don't got time for this problem to keep me stuck. I don't, I don't have time for, for this challenge to keep me bound up and for me to sit here and wallow and cry uh, and, 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 and spill out all these tears. Uh, I've got work to do. We've got, a, we've got the time is drawing near. I don't have time to sit around on this problem. It's just an awesome perspective that Jesus shows us. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. And he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Anybody uncomfortable yet? That's not the, the standard way of healing. <laughs> it doesn't really seem like we're accomplishing much for a man that just spoke a word to a centurion's son and the servant was healed. This seems like a lot of work you're going through here, Jesus, to, to do all this spitting and, and creating mud. You're making a mess, Jesus. What are you doing? And, and so, uh, the, so the man went and washed and came back, seeing his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. It's amazing, the, 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 isn't that incredible? The stuff we go to to not believe. 
The stuff we go through to not activate and apply faith. I mean, it was done right. Now, that must be his twin brother that we never knew about. <laughs> this is the guy that looks exactly like, he has a doppelganger that can see. I mean, what, what in the world? You have to come up with excuses not to believe in faith. I tell you what, people that, that, that talk about bold and brash faith and how it's ridiculous, they're just putting faith in something else. Hey, you have to use more faith to not believe. Right? I mean, sometimes it's that blatant in front of us. And the devil will go to such lengths to keep you blind and to keep you in the dark. That's why Jesus said, I I came, I'm the light of the world. And so they said, no, that's just the guy that, that looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. And they asked, who healed you? What happened? And he told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. And so I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know. I didn't get a good look at him before he healed me. <laughs> right? I mean, even if he was standing here, I wouldn't know which one of you healed me. Ah, we ask some dumb questions sometimes. (laughs) Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed them. And the Pharisees asked the man all about it. And so he told them, He put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it went away, or when I washed it away, I could see. So some of the Pharisees said, This man Jesus is not from God, because that's what comfort does. Comfort comes to conclusions. Comfort comes to conclusions. Comfort says, I already know how it is. You can't change my mind. See, when people are grounded in comfort, there's no having a conversation with them. There was another instance where Jesus did a miracle, I believe over in Mark chapter 1, and uh, 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 there, there was uh, the disciples of Jesus were having conversation with Jesus about what the Pharisees were saying about it, and, and Jesus just told them, leave them alone. Just leave it alone. Like you, you cannot have a conversation. There's no trying to turn their mind. If they have seen a blatant miracle happen in front of them and they still don't believe, what do you think you're going to say to be able to alter their conclusion? Because comfort comes to conclusions. Comfort says, speaks things with finality. Comfort doesn't want to know. Comfort doesn't want to be teachable. Comfort, comfort uh, isn't, isn't wanting to understand all sides. Comfort is what it is, and I will do whatever it takes to remain in my comfort. Uh, it says, um, this man Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. And, and so look at their response. He's working on the Sabbath, even though there's been a blatant miracle that's taken place, undeniable. I have to come up with reasons why the miracle didn't happen. I mean, we do this. God's working in our lives. God's moving. God's doing things. God's shifting. God God is making things uh, happen in our lives. But then 
uh, we, we try to formulate our own ideas of why it can't be, of why it, can't, why it couldn't happen, all at the uh, expense of progress and wanting to stay in our comfort. He, they say that it couldn't have been a miracle because miracles can't happen. It, they took a man's tradition and made it of a higher priority than God's truth. And Jesus addressed man's traditions in, in Matthew chapter 15. You've heard us use it very many times, uh, you know, where uh, they have an issue, Pharisees, uh, with the disciples not washing their hands before they eat. And so Jesus says, well, are you saying that, that you have abandoned God's commandments for the, for the sake of your traditions? So what they did, what these religious leaders would do is they would take the law, they would take the word of God, which they held held very rigorously and, and, and viciously even. And they began to layer upon layer, began to put their own spin and their own interpretation on God's word, which is what unhealthy souls do, is we layer things on top of what God is saying and what God is doing to try to bring it into our comfort zone to try to make it something that is acceptable and believable, and then we end up prioritizing our way of doing things over God's way of doing things. And so these Pharisees, uh, you know, they're, they're struggling. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous works? They're, they're, they're confronting the Pharisees' ideology. They're, they're coming again. They're, they're really trying to spill this thing out, forcing the Pharisees to have to make a decision. They, they've got a major dilemma. A miracle just took place. We don't believe he's the son of God, so we have to formulate our reasons and our ideas of why this cannot be. They're wanting to remain in their comfort. So there was a deep division of opinion among them. The Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? And the man replied, I think he must be a prophet. What do you think he's going to say? He's got a very high opinion. The guy was blind, now he sees. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see, so they called in his parents. The, the lengths and the depths. And the only thing they're trying to do is that they're not trying to do research so they can find out if he's really Jesus. They're trying to find someone that can slip up so they can continue to remain supplanted in their already conclusion of who they think Jesus is. They're just trying to, to find some way of, of something siding. So now they're bringing in the man's parents, and they ask them, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? And his parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. It's a good answer. But now we find out in the next verse, they knew who Jesus was. But for fear 
of what those religious leaders would do. It says his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already announced that anyone saying that Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. Because, you know, it's not comfort unless other people join you. So if we put out a threat that says if you side with this man, you're taking opposition against us, therefore, we're, gonna, we're, we're just, you're excused. And they would expel them. They, they, would, they would excommunicate them from the synagogue, from the, the church, basically, if you believe this. And so that's why they didn't answer, uh, you know, to, the, to their fullest knowledge. Uh, and so that's why they said, he is old enough, ask him. So for the second time, they called in this man, who's now being asked for the third time how this happened. Uh, for, for the second time, they call in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this, I was blind and now I can see. But what did he do? They asked, how did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? I like this man's, I like this guy. I feel like that's something I would have said. And then they cursed him and they said, you are his disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will ever since the world began. No one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. That's, that's the prime statement. Like that, that's how you get into the comfort club. This is how it's always been. This is what it's always been like. Never seen this happen before. I wonder if God could do some things this year that we've never seen done before, never experienced before. But is our comfort going to oppose that? Are we going to remain stuck in our what he has done? Or even like what we saw on on Sunday with Naaman, on how we think He's going to do it. Is it okay if God just blows our minds this year? Is it okay if he just does exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think? Is it okay that we put our expectation out and we put our faith out, but let him do it how he pleases? Let's let God, let's stay in our lane, right? It's up to me to believe. It's up to him to perform. And I don't want my belief system to limit his performance, right? It's impossible to please God without faith. Faith is necessary. I want my faith so built and I want my faith so available. Uh, I want my faith, if I can say it this way, flexible so that I don't get hung up on what he's doing. And I don't get hung up on how he's doing it. Because God might use somebody in your life this year that you've shunned. God might ask you to go ask for forgiveness from someone that should be asking for forgiveness from you. 
This is what God does. And our, our comfort levels get in, a, in, in, in the way. The enemy of faith is familiarity. The enemy of faith is familiarity. Where I become familiar, where I become uh, 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 predictable, where I become comfortable, God can't move in those realms of my life. Because he operates by faith. And so when I value comfort or convenience or the way it's always been over just seeing God move, now I'm, I'm in a dangerous place. I'm in a place where God wants to move. God wants to do things in my life this year. God, God wants to show up in big ways. But, but, but he has a formula. And see, when we put faith to a formula, it's no longer faith. When it's A plus B equals C, then where's the faith in that? I was helping Camden with just his math homework just this afternoon before church as best as I could. I'm about one grade level away. <laughs> I'm going to have to call Mama Myrna over here. I'm going to have to phone a friend. Uh, what's the problem? Oh, yeah, I, I got that. Hey, what, what is no, no, the two's on top of the three. It's over the three. No, there's letters. It's got X's and stuff. <laughs> Somebody else is going to have to step in. I'm, my, my limited ability when it comes to math. And so, you know, I was helping him today. But at the end of the day, the answer is the answer. It can't be any other way. So when we put faith, okay, I'm going to do this, and then God's going to do this, and then this is going to be the out. Then it's no longer faith. And that's what a lot of us want. We want a formula. And comfort can be formulated. Comfort can be reduced to a math problem. Comfort, and, and, and we know what to do to get our comfort. We know who to call. We know, I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to call this person. I'm going to get this answer. I'm going to feel like this. We know. We know I can go to Facebook and I can post it and, 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 and I don't care who reads it and I'm going to feel better just because I posted it. And so we, we know how to answer. We know how to solve for X, if I could put it that way. We know how to get what we want. We know what avenues to go to. We also know who to not go to. If I call this person, they're going to tell me this answer. I'm not going to feel good about myself. I'm going to be convicted. <laughs> And so we stay away from that. We know what to do. We know how to solve the problem. So they couldn't believe in Jesus because he confronted their comfort. The Pharisees could not believe in Jesus because he confronted their comfort. See, for so long, they got away with living like this. This was a way of life for them. And for their forefathers and their fathers before them, this was a way of life for these religious leaders. They knew the law by the time they were 13 years old. They knew that thing front and back. 
They knew what to look for. They knew what to do when they, when they had a problem, when they had a challenge. But now the Messiah shows up, a man from Galilee, a man that didn't fit the bill, a man that, that broke the mold, a man that broke the formula, the man that wasn't, you know, solved for X and X doesn't equal Jesus. They, they, they completely missed it. Jesus is standing right in front of them and they miss out. Because he, he came to confront their systems of comfort and their systems of convenience. So our belief system is limited by our comfort zone. I said our belief system is limited by our comfort zone. God is wanting to operate in, in realms that we haven't even yet experienced. God is wanting to, to expand our vision and expand our thinking, but our comfort zones bring him back down. You know, the Holy Spirit, he's, he is our what? Comforter. But that doesn't mean he's going to make me feel all good inside. And he's going to do, he, he's going to move when I want him to move. The Holy Spirit is probably one of the most uncomfortable things about churches. And that's why they've eliminated him. Right? I thought he was the comforter. But I don't know what they're saying right now. This is uncomfortable. What language is that? It's a heavenly language. We don't, we don't get messed up when someone talks in Spanish, when someone talks in French, when someone talks. I mean, there's all kinds of languages, but the heavenly language, the one from heaven, the one that God designed for his people, that we get in an uproar about that. I don't know what they're saying. Well, wait for the interpretation. Paul said to pray for the interpretation. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. I mean, he's just boasted it. That's uncomfortable. That's offensive. I think we use the word offensive when we really mean I'm not comfortable. <laughs> that's, that's really what that means. You're not offended, but it's uncomfortable to your flesh. And, and that's the thing, too. What are we willing to be comfortable with? Have we ever thought about that? Like, there are some things that happened that I don't want to be comfortable with. So, okay, so if we're going to worry uh, uh, about this whole comfort thing, I'm not comfortable with teen suicide rates. That's not okay with me. I'm not comfortable with a nation that's divided by race after 100 years of, of, of thought we were free from that. I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable uh, with a media system that highlights the very problems they say they're trying to solve. So, I mean, if, if you want to be uncomfortable, or, I mean, if you want to be comfortable, let's, let's, let's figure out what expense we're willing to go to to maintain a level of comfort. So, there, what, what, what is, what, I guess the question comes down to is, what is our comfort costing us? 2019, what will comfort cost me? But to experience discomfort. But to experience a breakthrough. Be uncomfortable. God might have you connect and partner with someone this year that makes you uncomfortable. Maybe you have to have a, a real-life conversation with somebody that is uncomfortable 
discomfort. But what, what, what am I willing to maintain my levels of comfort in, and what am I compromising to do that? What is it costing me? What am I, what am I not experiencing this year? I'm going to tell you right now, breakthrough, you know, the wilderness was uncomfortable. When you have to believe God for water out of a rock, no, I want to go to Publix and get my water. Right? I got my answer. I know, I know how to get what I need. I know how, I, I know how to, to meet. Some of us are so good at meeting our own needs that God could never meet our needs. Not only that, God could never exceed our needs because of our comfort. We doing okay? Amen. So I don't want my belief system to be limited by my comfort zones. I, I want to push off the comfort zones. I want to push off and say, God, I'm, I'm allowing you to move. I'm allowing you to do. And I'm not going to come in here with my, my recommendations or my suggestions or my ideas of how you're going to make it happen, how you're going to bring it to pass, how you're going to move, who you're going to use, what scenarios or situations. You know, I think that's what happened uh, to, to some people that I know personally in 2018, that got them off, that, that, that God was always moving. That's the thing you really got to understand is even in the negative, even in when, when, when challenges and, 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 and those things show up, that God is still moving. He hasn't quit. He hasn't given up. God never says the word, uh-oh. So, our worry is, is really just a response to things not happening the way we thought they would happen. Angels in heaven were not worried when Jesus breathed his last breath on that cross. It's a lot different when you know how the thing turns out. Right? I, I could watch a football game. Uh, and, and know how it's going to turn out, right? Someone has given me the spoiler alert, but the person next to me is sweating bullets, wondering, and I'm just sitting back because I know. That doesn't mean I might not feel it. Like, I know how Cinderella, Cinderella Man ends, but every time I watch that movie, I'm on the edge of my seat like he's going to lose. I know Rocky's going to pull it out, but, but I, you watch Clubber Lane's got the up on, I mean, Drago is a lot bigger. And you get on the edge of your seat and the music's going. But when you know how the thing turns out, when you know, come on, we serve a God of the outcome. We serve a God that he's not trying to get to the end with us. He's already known the end from the beginning. And he's saying, now just trust me in the process. Trust me as I build this thing. Trust me as I'm working in you, not just around you. Trust me as I'm trying to develop you and, main, and, and put things in you so that when you get to the end, you can maintain the victory, not just obtain the victory. Trust me, put your faith in me, and don't allow your comfort to squeeze me out of what I'm trying to do. Don't allow your comfort zones this year to be the limitations on what God can do in your life. If there's a wilderness, let him take you to the wilderness. If there's a promised land, let him take you to the promised land. If there's a pasture, let him take you to the pasture. If there's a palace, let him take you. Wherever you're at, choose to trust God.
Choose to believe in him. Choose that, that my comfort zones and my, my expectations, God wants us to have an expectation of what he's going to do, but not how he's going to do it. Leave it up to God this year. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.